In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the gospel lesson for today is for all intents and purposes about church attendance. It's about coming to church and receiving the banquet of salvation that the Lord has prepared for you. And coming to church is the chief thing that makes you a Christian. And it's the chief thing that keeps you a Christian. In fact, those who don't come to church, those who excuse themselves from church, won't remain Christians for much longer. It's that simple. Now, Jesus tells this by way of a parable or a story. However, it's important to note that Jesus didn't just randomly decide to teach this parable one day. In fact, this parable comes very specifically as a response to something said right before when Jesus was eating at the house of one of the Pharisees to something that was said to him at the dinner table. So today's lesson begins by saying, but he said to him. And the first uh, word of the lesson is a conjunction. So it's in response to what came before it. So what is Jesus responding to? Well, the preceding verse says this. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, uh, Jesus teaching about the resurrection, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. All right. This doesn't sound so bad. It actually sounds quite pious and nice. It's not false doctrine or anything. The, the person who eats bread in the kingdom of God is blessed. What is wrong with that? Is there, is there anything wrong with that statement? Why would then Jesus go on by telling a parable about people who reject him, refusing to come to his banquet, excusing themselves from him? Why would he say that parable if this guy said these words, blessed are is Blessed is the person who eats bread in the kingdom of heaven. So didn't this guy just say something nice about Jesus or about God? Well, not quite. See, these words are fine on their own, but you need to realize the context in which they are spoken. He was sitting at a table with Jesus, eating bread with Jesus, and then he says these words. So do you see how they're no longer good? <laughs> so the context changes these words. I'll explain it to you by the way of an analogy. So suppose that a young man is sitting down to eat with another guy, another friend of his. And he says, you know, one day I'd love to just sit down and have dinner with a beautiful woman one day. Right? There's nothing wrong with those words. And that's a good and holy desire. That's a good thing. Now, just imagine those same exact words, but the context is different. Imagine that a husband has just finished taking his wife out eating at a restaurant, and he's there with his wife, and then he says, you know, one day I'd love <laughs> to just sit down and have dinner with a beautiful woman one day. <laughs> totally different, right? The context changed it. It's the same exact words, but now they are offensive. Why? It's because that husband is denying his wife's beauty who sits in front of him. 
So that's sort of what's happening in today's gospel lesson. The man is sitting there in front of God himself, in front of Christ. And then he says, oh, how nice would it be one day? Blessed is the person who gets to eat bread in the kingdom of God. He's sitting in front of Jesus, literally eating bread with the God who created heaven and earth, the God who made him, the God who made that bread, the God who is the resurrection and the life. And the man says these words. They're not good. They're not good words. This man has been eating bread with Jesus. And so in saying these words, he has rejected Jesus. He has rejected that Jesus is God. He denied his divinity. He refused to partake of the Lord's salvation by refusing to believe in Christ. You see, the reason why we want to go to the kingdom of God is precisely because Jesus is there. That's it. The goal of the Christian life is not to die and go to heaven. It's not even to die and resurrect. It's part of it. This is what will happen. But the chief goal of the Christian, of the Christian life is to be with the Lord, is to be with Jesus. So it doesn't matter if we are in the bliss of heaven or still treading through this veil of tears with chaos happening around us. The Christian will gladly endure it all so long as Jesus is there with him. So, you you know, uh, I've told you this, my favorite hymn, uh, hymn 708 of the Lutheran service book, Lord, Thee I love with all my heart. Uh, Verse one says this, uh, you might remember. It says, earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, Lord, wert not with me. He says, if I go to heaven and Jesus is not there, then it's empty. I don't want to be there. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom if Jesus, the king, is not there. In fact, wherever Jesus is, that is where his kingdom is also. So when John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, he's not simply saying, repent, the world is going to end someday. He's preaching, repent, because Jesus is right here. The kingdom of God, where Christ is, there his kingdom is also. And he was. Jesus is not the means to an end. He is the end. He is the end for us. He is heaven for us. So this is what the man who ate with Jesus didn't believe. He was sitting down eating bread with God. And this is what you and I desire above all things, right? My goodness, what wouldn't we do just to switch places with that man for a moment? To sit down at the same table with Jesus. If, If we were in that position, how in the world is this man so dense, so blind to not see that the God of heaven is hidden there beneath the flesh of Jesus in the lowly flesh of Christ? If somebody told us that the Lord himself was going to be sitting down to eat dinner a hundred miles from here, you would go running on your feet to go meet him. You drop everything you do to go to go see him. Right? Wouldn't you? Well, before we get too ahead of ourselves, just about how many times has Jesus been here 
with a banquet prepared for you and you not been here for it? And about how many times has he hidden himself in this bread and this wine, brought you his kingdom of righteousness here in this font, in this pulpit on this altar, while you were somewhere else? And about how many times have you been in church bored or daydreaming or thinking of how life could be better in some way while sitting here in front of of the Lord? How many times have you longed for an end to all of your sadness, your grief, your pain, and yet made some excuse to not be here where God is not only giving you bread, but giving you himself, the very bread of life? You see, when Jesus teaches this parable today, he is teaching you that the real danger is not rejecting the kingdom of God in some abstract, far away, off in the distance place. But the real danger is rejecting the kingdom of God when it is right here sitting in front of you. You see, how many people desire heaven? <laughs> how many people long for a, a better life? Uh, for their sin to be forgiven, to, to, for their guilt to be taken away, to have the Lord wipe the tears away from their eyes. How many people long for this? And if you walk up to someone on the streets and say, look, do you want to, for things to be better, to be happy always, uh, to live forever, to never have to die or see people you love die, to have eternal bliss, do you want this? I, I can't imagine somebody saying, no, I, I don't want that. I, I, I'm not interested. <laughs> no one in their right mind is gonna reject such a thing. People long for an abstract heaven, the eternal kingdom that's far off in the distance. And yet, when the kingdom is here among us, when it's in a specific place, say uh, 16161 Marsh Road, <laughs> uh, when it's there, all of a sudden, it's too much out of the way or it's too far to actually get up and go to. And when God himself is here in the font to wash away our sins, all of a sudden, it's difficult too difficult to get kids up and dressed in the morning, even though we do it five days a week earlier. And when the gospel is being purely preached in all of its sweetness, all of a sudden we have a lot of work and are busy. When the forgiveness of sins is given out for free at this altar each Sunday, all of a sudden now it's my only day to sleep in. So compare this with what Jesus says in the parable. Come for everything is now ready. His invitation is now, not in the future. It takes place now. The kingdom you want to be a part of is already here. The Lord you desire to be with is here. And what does the text say? But they all alike began to make excuses. Right, I've bought a field, I have to go see it, have me excused. I bought five oxen, I gotta go see it. Uh, please have me excused, I got married, so I can't come. Does it sound familiar? Life, work, and marriage, these things get in the way. That These are the reasons why I can't come to church. So excuse me from this banquet. Now, uh, this, is, this is humbling. Uh, 2,000 years before we made an excuse, 
the Lord predicted that we would. Uh, because it was happening in that time and it continues to happen. And this is the saddest part. You say, have me excused. And the Lord says, okay. He allows it. He allows himself to be rejected. He allows himself to be refused, to be despised. He allows you to replace him with your work or your life or your marriage or your finances or entertainment, whatever it might be. He lets you. He, he will not force you into his banquet. The Lord will not force you into his kingdom or force you in the kingdom with him forever. If you don't want it, he will not force it upon you. It's, and, and understand this rightly, it's not that the Lord does not want you there. It is not that. It's actually that you don't want to be with him. You see, Jesus is here every Sunday, even when you're not. He comes in his body and his blood, even if you won't have it. And if you excuse yourself from the banquet, he will let you go. Will he be angry? Will he be upset? Yeah, of course. I mean, what father doesn't want to see his child and bless his child and give his child good things? No father. If we sinful fathers want to give good things to our sons, how much more does God the Father want to give you good things and give you his love? And yet he will not force his salvation upon you. He allows himself to be rejected. And so keep it in mind. He will allow you to resist his grace, his mercy, his calling, his gospel, and this banquet of salvation. And it's significant, and it's at the same time terrifying. It means that all who are in heaven are in heaven because the Lord wants them there, and he called them there. He did everything for their salvation. But it also means that those who are in hell are there not because the Lord wants them in hell, but because they did not want to be with the Lord. They did not want his forgiveness in this life when it was set before them, when it was right in front of them. And so they received what they wanted. If you don't want to be with him in this life, then the Lord will not force you to be with him forever in the life to come. You see, people oftentimes ask, look, why, why isn't anyone in church? Uh, why aren't people coming to church? Why? Uh, and, and we try to do some sort of study or program or refurbish the building or get lights or make it uh, uh, change the ambiance or whatever it might be. But uh, these things don't work because the bottom line is the answer is quite simple. Why don't people come to church? Simply put, because they don't want Jesus. They just don't want to be with him. If they did, they would be here. So we don't have much here at Zion, but the one thing we do have is Christ and him crucified. And if people don't want that, if they don't want Jesus, the, the one good thing we have, the one thing that makes us rich beyond measure, then we cannot force people to be here. Now, uh, about 500 years ago, right, this is not new. 
Uh, 500 years ago, Martin Luther wrote something to pastors in the preface to the small catechism about this very thing, about what the topic of the sermon is. So I'm going to read it for you. Uh, Listen to what he says. It's a little long, but bear with me. He says, we are not to force anyone into the faith or to the sacrament, nor set any time or law or place for it. Our preaching should instead be such that of their own accord, without our command, people feel constrained themselves and press us pastors to serve the sacrament. The way to go about this is to tell them that if anyone does not seek or desire the Lord's Supper, at the very least four times a year, now keep in mind, uh, Luther is responding to a theologian who said, the most you should have the Lord's Supper is four times a year. And Luther says, no, 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 it's the very least amount of times you should have it, right? Uh, This isn't a prescription to say we need to have the Lord's Supper less. That's not what he's saying. But he says, uh, if you don't seek this at least four times a year, it is to be feared that he despises the sacrament and is not a Christian, just as no one is a Christian who does not believe or hear the gospel. Surely if he recognized how much evil is in him and how much he needs all the good things he lacks, he wouldn't neglect the sacrament, which gives help against such evil and bestows so much goodness. Now, here it is. He will not need to be forced by law to the sacrament, but he himself will come running in a hurry to the Lord's table, constrained within himself and pressing you, forcing you to give him the sacrament. Therefore, don't set up any law concerning it as the Pope does. Only emphasize clearly the benefit, the need, the usefulness, and the blessing connected with the sacrament and also the harm and danger of neglecting it. Then the people will come of of themselves without your compulsion. But if they still don't come, then let them go their own way and tell them that all who are insensitive or unaware of their great need and God's gracious help belong to the devil." That's the, in, in the preface of the small catechism. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus dealt with this. 500 years ago, Luther dealt with this. Today, we deal with this. This is just our sinful human nature. We excuse ourselves from the kingdom of God as if it's not a big deal. If this is you, repent. Come to church because the Lord wants you to be here more than you want to. And he wants to forgive you more than you want to repent. To be honest, there is no better motivation than these words, come for everything is now ready. That is to say, Christ your God has prepared a banquet for you of the forgiveness of all of your sins. And he set up a table. He left his throne in heaven to be deigned, to deign himself with you here today to see you. He has come to forgive All, every single one of your sins, every single one, the ones you have not committed yet, he has come already to to forgive them. He has forgiven them. He comes to forgive them all, to forgive all of the times that you despised him in the past, the times you rejected him in the past, all of the times that you've made excuses to get away from him, the times you left him here waiting for you. He is here right now to tell you that he has forgiven it all. 
He's not here to prove or show off some sort of power. He's here at this altar for you. He went to the cross. He allowed himself to be rejected and despised for you. He suffered it all for you, for your sake, for your salvation. And his suffering was for your comfort. His death was for your gain. And he brings you everything already that he achieved on the cross for you. And so he has a banquet set up to give you his kingdom. And this banquet is not just a shadow of him or a symbol or an image or something to remember him by. No, it is him. He is the banquet. He is the host and he is the meal. This is his body and this is his blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So take and eat and drink and come for everything is now ready. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. I come, O Savior, to thy table, for weak and weary is my soul. Thou bread of life alone art able to satisfy and make me whole. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.